Today, a conversation with Mark Lawrence, head coach at Austin College, about year two of the varsity program in Sherman. Their fall schedule is out and the recruiting class is complete. Joe and I talk about that and some of the highlights of the very busy fall season. It's the TX Water Polo Podcast. Somehow I was blind, but now I can... Hi, Joe. I have this strange feeling that I saw you at 8.30 this morning in my kitchen. Yes, I was there on my little tour of Texas, uh, going and visiting clubs. I do it every August. I go visit clubs, just kind of see where they're at, talk about JOs, talk about the upcoming kind of fall season. And you and I did that about Aquatex earlier today. Good. Oh, thanks for the plug. Absolutely. We want, uh, we're looking for younger members, especially at Aquatex, Round Rock's finest uh, aquatic facility. So thanks for the Every plug. club is doing that. I mean, and, I mean, it's, uh, that is the lifeblood of any 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 youth sport program that has different tiers for all the different ages is you got to have a lot of of the younger kids to get to the older kids. So. Yeah, yep, yeah, yeah. and we went over that in detail as well. So that's good we stuff. Did. Yeah. All right. Well, so Austin College has its fall schedule out. They're the only uh, NCAA team in the state of Texas, so obviously we get to focus on them quite a bit. Um, today we're going to talk to Coach Mark, and uh, but two games stand out to me at least on their uh, on their fall schedule. They're the ones that are in Sherman. They're playing twice at their home pool, once against the new program, uh, Ottawa. It's a college in Arizona. It's a bit of a commuter college, I think. Yeah. And uh, and then their nemesis. They played Penn State Baron twice last year. They were very competitive games. They had a bunch of injuries and uh, overcame a lot of that kind of stuff and did pretty well. But uh, I'm, I'm guessing that they're really looking forward to having Penn State back in their pool so that they could uh, hopefully teach them a lesson. Yeah, for those that um, aren't looking at their calendar right now, it's going to be Friday, November 8th. They're going to play Penn State Baron at 5 p.m. at Austin College. And then on Saturday, November 9th, they're going to play Ottawa at 10 a.m. So, yeah. yeah, just people can make a trip up to here and kind of stay overnight in Dallas and such and get to play two and get to see two NCAA uh, games. It's, yeah, it's, yeah, it's going to be great for the people of the area. And I think most people are going to be kind of getting the word out and, and going to kind of support the home state team. So I've been there during training and I can only imagine uh, last year they had about 500 people show up for their first home game. And um, Mark told me that that place was rocking because it's just all, you know, cinder block walls and everything reverberates. So I can imagine with a, a couple games up there and being about an hour north of Frisco, maybe not even maybe not even an hour that uh, people. Can um, get it's, up actually, there. It's, it's actually probably more northeast of Frisco. Mm-hmm. It's due north of Dallas. It's probably about about thirty to forty five minutes north of Dallas. Okay. But yeah, I was at the game last year. I I was actually given the color commentary on the oh. uh, on the on the webcast, which you know that was more of a last second thing. And I apologize for everybody that listened and watched. Oh that. yeah. Where can but, we find um, that though? I have no idea. Um, oh. I'm I'm sure I can. E- I I am sure I can email you the link and such. <laughs> but like uh. But um, yeah, it was like the pool was the solid is a solid concrete building. Yes, they have some windows on one side, but kind of where the game was played, it was it was loud. I mean, I was very impressed. Um, the a lot of Austin College people came out. I mean, the whole the whole place was packed. I mean, the swim coach, the athletic director, um, there's other like uh, coaches. They were like, uh, this is an atmosphere that we haven't seen on campus. Yeah. For a while. Oh, that's so, really great. I mean, it, it was great. And then I, if my memory serves me correct, I believe that, that Austin college against Brown, actually Austin college scored the first goal. Yeah. Wow. And the place went bananas and it was, 
it was it was a, in, an incredible atmosphere. And of course, you know, all props to Mark and Austin who have done a great job up there with the program. Um, I know Austin's going off to MIT, um, but Mark is Mark is Mark is Mark is really doing a good job up there. So yeah, where were you seated to do the color commentary for that game? Were you up, up in, the, in stands? the stands, right yeah. in the middle? Uh, and that should be great. So yeah, we had worked with um, with the Austin College SID and then a local uh, kind of kind of a, a provider that allowed us to get online. And then I got there and about 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 five minutes yeah before the game I was like okay who's gonna do the color commentary and the SID is like uh, I don't know I'm like and then I and then I have a buddy that was up there his name is JT Wall so a little shout out to JT and um, he's an old referee from the area and I said hey can you be my cameraman so he was the camera guy and I was kind of doing my best to kind of follow along and I had a I, I had rosters in front of me so um, I did the best that I could. So. On the fly, on the fly. Well done. Um, well, it's my one and probably only game that I've done the co- yeah the color commentary on. So you don't want to do it again. I I did it with Meskel at the tournament up in Dallas. It was pretty fun. And with Jody Campbell, my high school hero. You know Jody Campbell, the Jody Campbell Award at uh, Champions Cup every year. Yeah, we did Champions Cup in Dallas a couple years ago. I was shocked to get a call from USA Water Polo to do color. And, uh, and then I spent the whole time fawning over him because he went to Long Beach Wilson also, but he was really, really good, and I was not. You went to Long Beach Wilson? Yes. did not know that. Was that before Ricardo Azevedo was coaching? Yes, it was. Yeah, Ricardo Azevedo kind of created a juggernaut there. I'm sure it was a bit of a juggernaut before he got there, but... We did well. Um, but, uh, yeah, I, I heard that was like a, like a six-lane shallow deep pool, but y'all still won state championships, so it's good. Yeah, well, we practice at Belmont Plaza, too, so it's no – I can't really complain. Speaking of indoor pools that were noisy, we would play, you know, Newport Harbor. They would come in or CDM or somebody, and they would come in to this enclosed area, which is extremely rare in Southern California, and it would just be rocking. It was so great. Yeah, I actually played at the Belmont Plaza pool. At the at the USA Water Polo National Junior Olympics as a 15 and under and oh, 17 yeah. under. Yeah. This is way back in the day. I guess that was what 1990. Yeah. So I played with a team out of Houston and uh, I played for two teams at the same time. This is when it was only like about 12 kids per team. But uh, yeah, it was a, that was a that was a very good experience. I also yeah, this... swam kind of down the road at at uh, at uh, Junior Nationals at uh, Mission Viejo the weekend after. So. Ooh, that's a nice spot. I mean, uh, Belmont Plaza was condemned just a couple years ago, and they, it's been torn to the ground. But that was our home pool, and one of the reasons we had any advantage besides the noise was that uh, Rick Jones, the late Rick Jones, who uh, was our coach, had us train at 30 meters the entire season. So we were in pretty good shape. There you go. But, no, I'm, I am really looking forward to the Austin College games and – kind of watch them online and, and I have a I have a feeling that they're going to do very very well this upcoming fall so. and just for just to go over a couple of these key games or at least an interesting games um, one of the things that uh, I know Mark talks about with uh, recruits and um, I share this opinion in, enormously is we'll hear it from time to time from a recruit that says well I really just want to go play at a division one school and that might be a bit of a challenge for you know that person but listen to who they're playing against Princeton Fordham, Navy, Cal Baptist, Pacific. Now Whittier is Division Three, but still high quality. Cal Lutheran. Um, who else? Uh, yeah, uh, Santa Clara. Santa Clara, right? Exactly. Division One teams. And and uh, not to mention their uh, conference opponent. They'll probably play Cal or Stanford or UCLA. 
top four team in the country. So. Yep, exactly. I mean, we can do this on a different podcast. We don't we don't need to get into it now. But yeah, there's a lot of misconceptions about playing water polo in college. Yeah, and uh, and one of them is you know the the division one, two, three, and just real quick, yeah, in other sports. Division three only plays division three. Division one only plays division one. That's but, right. Yeah, yeah. But in water polo, there are division three teams that are ranked in the top twenty nationwide, mm-hmm. and there's division one teams that'll lose to most of the division three teams that they play. So whenever an athlete or a parent says, "I only want to play division one," I go, "Well, then you're limiting your opportunities to get to, into good schools Hugely. and very good water polo programs." And it's just, you know, it's just. It's an education process, you know, going and playing water polo in college at, I mean, for NCAA water polo is different and it's very unique. So we can do that at a different time. Yeah, let's do it at a different time. I'll tell you about UC San Diego hosting Pepperdine, Division Three versus Division One. It was a victory in 2007. Or sorry. And that, in, and in that 19, happens all 19, the time. 1987. That I'm dating myself even more. All right. Well, we'll come back and share my conversation with Austin College head coach Mark Lawrence, and you are listening to the TX Water Polo Podcast. Have you noticed that there are no advertisements for dental care or online recruiting services on the TX Water Polo Podcast? Same with the website. No pop-ups, no banner ads. Well, we'd like to keep it that way, so we're asking for your support. Your donation will help us with new equipment, better sound quality, interesting writers, and maybe even improve podcast hosts. So to help us expand and improve our coverage of the sport and state we love, go to txwaterpolo.com forward slash donate. That's txwaterpolo.com forward slash donate. And be sure to subscribe to the pod on Apple, Google, Stitcher, Spotify, or Radio Public, and give us a good rating if you like what you hear. James Smith from TXWaterPolo.com, and uh, with us today is the only NCAA coach in the state of Texas. It's Mark Lawrence from Austin College. How are you, Mark? Doing great, James. Thanks a lot for having me on. Where are, where are you sitting right now? So currently we're sitting on campus and uh, getting ready, getting organized for our uh, fall camp start here in about a week and a half, and uh, getting ready for the men's season. So. And that's the entire school. It's not just the water polo program. Correct. Yeah. All the fall sports are, are starting to move in late this week. Uh, each sport has a different move in day per NCAA rule and when their first competition is allowed to be. So, you know, each day a different teams moving in, getting started. So it's pretty, pretty exciting times around the offices, uh, you know, starting to see some of the student athletes come back and the excitement on their face. Yeah. Super uh, fun. You know, absolutely. So, yeah. Um, we'll, we'll want to go over your schedule. You have a bunch of really interesting games coming up, but first a little bit of business. you lost your, uh, your assistant coach, Austin Ringheim, who was in Texas for a relatively short period of time, but made his mark. I can tell you that from personal experience. Uh, what can you tell us about, uh, poor Austin <laughs> losing, yeah. losing Austin, your, your assistant coach? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, this is like, it's, it's a tough loss for us. Um, you know, we lose a great coach a uh, great mentor for the athletes that we have here. You know, his fingerprints are all over the program here at Austin College. Uh, everything from just like his passion from the sport, how he motivated the athletes, the things that he taught them skill-wise, uh, philosophy-wise, you know, every every avenue of uh, our brand new program, his fingerprints are on. Um, although it's a tough loss for us, like I'm so excited for Austin. Like, you know, it's an opportunity that he earned. Uh, he worked really hard for, he sacrificed a lot as far as, hours put in for lack of pay uh, between here and the club scene, you know, um, and really, really grinded last year to earn this opportunity. 
and he's going to do a great job there. I think he's a perfect fit for that school. Uh, that type for of for MIT, place. let's be clear. I don't think we mentioned that yet, but he's headed oh, yeah, uh, MIT. Yep. For, for MIT, he's a perfect fit. Um, you know, I was fortunate enough to get my 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 collegiate NCAA start at MIT as a head coach. Uh, you know, back then it was a part-time job, but uh, you know, although it was, it was a part-time job, the time I spent there, I got to know that school and that program really well. And Austin's going to do a great job. You know, his understanding of of uh, culture, uh, academic success, uh, academic focus, while you know striving to be the best program possible, um, you know, is really strong. So he's a great fit for that place, and you know, we'll see him on the pool deck, and then we're really excited to uh, play against them and see what he could do. You know, right? But you have to knock them off or some other Division three school in order to make the Division three championship. So that might be a sweet revenge against uh, Austin. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, tr- traditionally, MIT and Johns Hopkins are the two uh, that finished top two at D3 Easterns, uh, which is our, which is the path for the uh, new NCAA USA WARPO Division Three Final Four. Right. So we have to go. Th- we now have to go through uh, Coach Austin just to uh, try and make the Final Four. So there's there's a handful of teams that are in between them and us last year, but you know, as, as we build into the future, he's going to be a, a friendly foe. So. Right. Well, um, just speaking again from my own experience, like he, here's a guy who came to the state from California and, uh, and planted his roots pretty quickly and was really here for maybe just over a year, but has really made his mark. So I think he we, I think most of us knew that he had some ambitions and that he wanted to move on. So this is a really good move for him, but he'll be missed. So goodbye to Coach Austin. Um, yeah, Absolutely. But uh, let's get into the schedule a little bit more because you do start your season against Johns Hopkins, which is, uh, I don't know if you want to call it a rivalry, but again, it's a team that you need to compete with in order to, to progress down the Division Three path. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, I'm really excited. I think it's a perfect first game for us. You know, they're, they're always good. They're always tough. They have a brand new head coach this year also, uh, Coach Max. You know, I know Max personally, uh, phenomenal guy, you know, great coach. So uh, they're going to be tough, you know, but, uh, you know, with the new USA Warpo Final Four for D3, um, like I was saying earlier, like the top two teams from from the from non-California programs, you know, will qualify. And traditionally, that's Hopkins and that's MIT. So to play them first in uh, season two as a program with all underclassmen and kind of see where we're at in September and where we have to be in late October or where we have to be in year number three. Um, is going to be a great test for us. So we're looking forward to it. You know, they're always good. They're D3 by rules, but D1 by talent. And uh, it's going to be a great first game for us. Wow. Yeah. First of a very busy schedule. You you start your, um, I don't know what they're calling it, challenge week um, in on the 21st. And then you turn around and that first game in Annapolis is on the 7th. So you you get you're off and running. Yeah, absolutely. We have a really short turnaround this year. Um, you know, all programs have the same challenge, so I don't think it'll it's gonna um, uh, affect us too bad as far as like being being ready to play. We all have the same start date and the same rules for that. But uh, yeah, we're excited. We have a really tough weekend at uh, Navy. We're gonna play Johns Hopkins, LaSalle, Princeton, Fordham, Navy um, while we're out there. So it's a great test for us, you know, uh, to see see how much our guys have grown in one year and see where we have to continue to grow uh, as we develop our men's program moving forward. So, 
Right. And you mentioned uh, that there's Fordham and Cal Bap or sorry, uh, Fordham has two new kids from Texas, as far as I understand. And then soon after that, you play your first of two games against Cal Baptist, which has always had a Texas presence uh, and still does with Zach Lowry. So you get, you get to play against them twice as well. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, Zach, for anyone that knows, Zach is someone that is uh, made a great impression on the you know, Dallas Thunder club team. A lot of the kids who are still there now and the kids we have uh, at our program here grew up watching him being extremely successful and kind of setting a great example for them. So we get to see Mr. Lowry twice this season. I know he's someone that you and I both know very well outside of the pool. Uh, You know, great kid, great player. So, you know, it'll be really fun, fun competition, you know, mess with him probably a little bit. So, uh, (laughs) but we're really, really excited to uh, go off and play these high level programs and see familiar faces from Texas. So, yeah, and I, I know that playing against these high-level le- programs is important to you, and I wonder, though, if you do spend any time thinking about the connection that a lot of these teams have with Texas itself and the, the growth of the programs in the state. Yeah, absolutely. When we go to these different places, like we don't make our schedule with a goal to go out and play against uh, Texas or Texas kids on mm-hmm. the other programs, but when it works out that way, we definitely welcome it. Um, you know, our strategy with our schedule on the men's side with the, in our first two years is pretty much education through games. Um, you know, it's it's different on the men's side being an 18-year-old freshman uh, playing against 21, 22-year-old grown men. So while they're underclassmen, we're really trying to get as much experience as possible by playing high-level programs and just get that education. And, you know, when there's a chance to go play a Cal Baptist or play a Florida that has these Texas kids on it, it, that's a bonus, you know, so. Yeah. So you finish your CWPA division three championship season in Pittsburgh on the 27th of uh, October, and then follow pretty soon after against Penn state Baron, another, another uh, team that you've had your encounters with, but that's in Sherman. So that's a, that's a new one. You play the new program from Ottawa and Arizona, and then you finish MPSF championships on the 24th of November. So, um, a, again, a very busy and high level, um, high level schedule. Yeah, no, we're really excited. Um, you know, this year our, our schedule is probably a little bit tougher than it was last year, but you know, lots of high level programs. Um, you know, we'll see how we do. We'll go into some games uh, with a 100% mindset that you know we're going to compete and put ourselves in a position to win in the fourth quarter. And we have some other games that we're going to compete and get better every single possession and use it as education, you know, as, as we get older with, with our roster move forward. So, but we're trying to create a, not only, a, you know, a high level playing schedule, but we're trying to create a great experience for our athletes also, which right. uh, helps in recruiting and uh, helps in, you know, development here, um, as, you know, try and benefit from that as much as possible yeah well let's let we can go back and talk about how you did in your first year overall because it's your first head coaching experience in a, at an ncaa level but before that there's at least two texans that uh, are in your incoming class max wade and uh, michael Colum colmenares i get that uh, pronunciation incorrect basically representing the north and south of texas what was appealing about them for your program yeah, um, I mean, they're both great players. You know, the biggest thing is that they're both kids that we met when they were younger in the process. They started this process their junior year. So we spent a lot of time getting to know them. Uh, they already know a lot of guys on our on our current roster. So we knew that they were a, a great culture fit for the type of kid that we wanted to get. Um, you know, and, uh, you know, they're going to bring a little bit, 
in a you know in a very great way like a little more personality to our <laughs> our team you know uh but they're both extremely fiery they're both extremely physical and they're both extremely confident and uh it's going to be a huge benefit you know to our not only to us uh talent wise but to our the, the uh, culture of our program also right you know as we build a build a program that's you know trying to get more confident more competitive uh not just physically but mentally also so right. you know the guys we have coming back are phenomenal guys and now they have that year under the belt and now we're going to bring in some pretty fiery freshmen that we absolutely love that type of fire so that they have so we're really excited yeah that's great so the does it make a big difference that uh, most of these Texans know one another, no matter which programs they come from? I mean, you have a I can't remember what the, the net number on your team is that are from Texas, but the vast majority of them. Yeah, absolutely. I think, you know, my, my initial thought process when we started this program uh, in 2017 and we started to you know build our roster was that I wanted to have a roster that was dominated by Texas, almost like an 80 uh, percent for both men and women both. Um, but then you, know, you get to that process. And last year we had our kids from Texas who were here. We're like, this is awesome. This is fantastic. But we'd also love to have some more non-Texas kids, you know, meet new people. Uh, because, you know, Texas is a huge state, but it's a small Warflow community. So it's um, to have, you know, a more balanced roster is great. So I, I think this year we're looking at about a 60-40. And as we go into the future, probably probably end up with like 50% of our roster from Texas, 50% non-Texas uh, to bring some different experiences, different backgrounds, you know, right. time to try and create that culture. So, yeah, you've got a couple kids coming in from Chicago and then one uh, interesting guy from Southern California, uh, Michael Marks, who's your, who, who could be competing for a goalkeeping position. Yeah, absolutely. Um, we have, you know, a pretty, pretty, great class coming in as far as where they're from and what their potential is uh, you know we have a handful of kids from the west coast we have these twins from chicago coming in kaden and uh zach who are great and um you know michael is uh a six foot six six foot seven goalie coming in from southern california uh with lots of experience so you know he's going to be put in position to compete on day one uh, unfortunately we lost our goalie from last year so you know, we're we're looking, or we lost a one of our goalies left from last year. So we're looking for Michael to compete on day one. So he's gonna be thrown to the fire a little bit, but you know, he's a big kid and he's got a lot of experience. And you know, this past high school season, he was chosen for the Orange County All Star game. Um, so we're really excited to what he could do for us. Well, let's go back to what, one of the things that we wanted to speak of before was basically you. Like, how did you do in your first year? What was the experience like? Was it what you expected? How's Sherman? How's Texas? Uh, give us a give us a couple minutes about uh, to to uh, wrap up your first year of experience. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, well, first of all, uh, the the easy part is that you know Sherman's great. Uh, life here at Sherman's awesome. Uh, my wife and I are really happy to hear, you know, we uh, bought a house. We're part of our community. Uh, we're really excited about that. Um, the first year was fantastic. You know, at times it was going far superior than what I thought was possible in, in, in our first year. Um, at other times it was going where I thought we would be as a first year program. And, you know, and all those moments of extreme ups or, you know, the uh, downs sometimes with a hard loss or whatever it is, is all part of that growing and learning process. So I was really excited with everything. Um, the support we have on our campus is phenomenal. Every, everyone from our school president down to 
our fellow coaches um, and everyone in the middle with the student body is fantastic. So it's, it's a great place to be um, and a great place to start a program, you know, in the water competition wise, our men's program did as we thought Uh, there was a handful of games we expected to win that we did not win, but you know, we had a roster of all 18 year old freshmen. Uh, We had a lot of guys get hurt and banged up last year who missed various trips. So, you know, and, and, um, with all that happening, there's a silver lining of, of our entire roster getting tons of experience last year. So right. that was great. Uh, so that ended up being an absolutely great thing for us. Um, but the men's team is doing really well. You know, it's really hard to be an 18-year-old freshman playing against, you know, 21, 22-year-old men. So that's a part of the building process that's just going to take probably, you know, a little bit of time. Uh, on the flip side, our women's program did phenomenal. They uh, got second place in our conference uh they went eight and three in conference play uh the games that we struggled in you know sometimes we just ran out of bodies because we had a small roster we got into foul trouble um but then you know they didn't they did great their confidence level was insanely high um they represented the school and the culture we're trying to build extremely well so uh we couldn't be happier you know we think the women's team this year is in a position to finish at the top of our conference again um, you know, in the men's team, I, I, we have the, the uh, potential to finish at the top of our D3 Easterns, and we'll just kind of see how both seasons play out. Well, let's wrap things up, but apparently there's something that you have on, on, on your mind about not this coming season, but the following. It uh, sounds like some pretty interesting news about what's going on in Texas as far as water polo is concerned. Yeah, uh, we're really excited. We, um, we're organizing a, um, a, a tournament in September of 2020 for, for men's NCAA season. And uh, we're going to host a tournament in uh, Louisville. Uh, they have, if you, if, you know, for athletes who have not been there, they have a phenomenal, huge facility there. And World we're class, host a, yeah. Uh, yeah, we're going to host a two-day men's NCAA tournament there. So what we're trying to do, we're, we're trying to bring high-level Warpo to Texas. Uh, we want this to serve multiple purposes. Like, we want this event to, you know, of course, first and foremost for the programs, be competitive collegiate games. Um, make the trip for these teams worth it, you know, have great games that are going to have a great impact on their season. Um, But secondly, we also want this to be essentially a very positive, you know, atom bomb uh, for youth war polo and growing collegiate war polo here in Texas. So we're trying to bring in some high level programs who are going to put on some great showcase games. Anyone you can tell us about? Tons of fans in the seats. Yeah. So uh, right now, of course, Austin College will be there. uh, 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 Laverne will uh, be out here, uh, fellow D3 program, which is great. And then, you know, we're still working on finalizing commitments, but it looks like we're going to have Brown, Air Force, UCLA, Stanford, and uh, USC. So it's going to be uh, a couple different levels of programs, but it's going to be fantastic war polo and hopefully something that, you know, the, state of, the entire state of Texas from splash ball up to collegiate club up to varsity uh, our uh, college um, can get really fired up for and excited about. That is historic. Yeah. And this will be a little bit of a test run. Hopefully we could do this every year or every other year, you know, maybe alternate one men, men's one year, women's the next year, or do one tournament for each team at home every year. So, you know, it's, it was one of our goals when we started this process in 2017 was to have a showcase tournament where our athletes can play in front of their, family and friends in Texas, and uh, we could bring some 
you know, elite level Warpolo, um, you know, to Texas for, you know, like the youth level uh, athletes to watch. And so. maybe for the first time, actually, because uh, A&M was the last varsity program prior to Austin College. They stopped in 78. But I don't recall them hosting very many games of teams on, on the level of, let's say, UCLA. Um, yeah. uh, so this could be a first for those programs as well. Yeah, I mean, we're, and we're, we're insanely excited about it. So, um, you know, a lot of the fine details are still getting worked out, um, but it's definitely going to happen next September. You know, we were fortunate enough to host Brown in our pool last right. year and in Austin College's uh, pool, which isn't awful, but it's not amazing either. Uh, we had over 500 people in the stands in our little facility, which was amazing. So just seeing the, um, the atmosphere and the fan base we had there for one game, uh, our women's team hosted a, a collegiate club team last spring and had a very similar outcome. So we're really excited to see what would happen when, uh, you know, possibly a Stanford plays a UCLA or a USC plays a, a Brown or, you know, an Austin College plays an Air Force and see kind of what what kind of fan base w- is going to show up, you know. So great stuff. Uh, first game is uh, September 7th for the Austin College men's water polo team. Mark Lawrence, thank you so much. All right. Thank you very much, James. Have a great day. Hi, I'm U.S. Olympian Janai Kerr, and when I need to stay up to date with my water polo news in Texas, I listen to the TX Water Polo Podcast. James Smith and Joe Lenahan on the TX Water Polo Podcast. Joe, you've been touring the state. We obviously visited this morning, um, and you mentioned at least a little bit about what you were doing, but uh, there's some more specific stuff, too. Oh yeah, I mean, I say tour. That's that's a very, like you know, strong word. But I just I drove down and uh, and, yeah, and met with some clubs down in Houston, over in Austin. I'll be meeting with some clubs in North Texas over the next uh, kind of few days. The clubs that I wasn't able to kind of meet with, I'll get on the phone and talk. And mainly, just it's an opportunity to talk about the upcoming events of what like kind of. I wish there's an upcoming event here in a week and a half. It's uh, the first big major beach water polo tournament in Texas. Um, there's been some beach water polo stuff here and there, but there has never been a tournament. And Zilla is putting it on just outside of you in Austin. So. Yep. Zilla is one of our uh, friend, our club friends uh, from not so far away. They're in North Austin. And um, this has been on my uh, calendar for quite some time and something I've been pitching to my kids because – this beach polo stuff is really fun and we've been practicing a lot doing that kind of stuff. And so, um, obviously it's, it's had a, uh, it's, it's been very popular in Southern California. There was just a big tournament in Long Beach, uh, just last weekend, I think. Um, and so w- what I hope for, at least it's a perfect place to do it is in Lake Travis is that it becomes a, a annual tradition really. Yeah. It's at, it's at, uh, Volante beach, uh, water park. So uh, Pascal, who's or Pascal Cohen, who's the like the head coach and club director for Zilla, he's been working with the person that owns the uh, water park, and it's and it's a very nice place. I actually went there uh, this morning, and uh, Pascal and I did a walkthrough and threw around some different ideas for it. But I mean, yeah, I mean it's they have they have water slides and beach, uh, they have beach volleyball, they have everything that you could possibly imagine, and and they have a dock to where it's perfect to have the three or four different beach water polo courses out there. Um, I think whoever's going to go out there and play and is lucky enough to be involved in that tournament is going to have a great, 
great experience. Yeah, it sounds. And like fun. it's, I mean, it's, uh, it's going to be a, a lot of fun. And from what he got, and from what he told me, there's going to be 20 plus teams out there in all the different age groups. So, um, and this is a tournament that he's going to he's going to try to keep the weekend before Labor Day every year, and just keep growing it. You know, and this year it might be just a Saturday Sunday event and next year it might be like a Friday Saturday Sunday event and maybe add instead of just three courses it might be four or five courses and maybe add masters at some point you know but this is his first year and he wants to get through the tournament and just kind of just kind of see how it goes and kind of how it works for everybody but this is something that I think is going to be special and it's and it's 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 more than just running a a, like a regular tournament they have to bring lane lines out there goals out there um so it's so uh, just kind of like, you know, kudos to Zillow for putting it on. So it's a great way to punctuate the summer and, um, which it's not officially, it supposedly goes into the, the or I, I guess in some ways you could say it goes into the fall, but, um, it's really a good way to, to wrap up what we've been doing in the state of Texas in in, uh, in the summer, but it's, uh, it, it also alludes to the fall schedule, which is as packed as I can ever remember it. Um, and what are the highlights that we should be looking for aside from the Zilla tournament? I mean, yeah, I kind of see this beach water pole as the kickoff of the fall kind of season because a lot right. of people took a break after JOs and then they are and then they're just ramping back up. And this is going to be the first event that they're going to go. It's going to be a great way to kick it off. And then, you know, you got we're going to have a Texas Development Summit, which is all the coaches and club admins and referees are going to be coming together for, for some good, solid, positive discussions about a variety of topics that'll be on September 7th, I, I, and I think some other teams are starting their like local league game days on September 8th. Got the, Arm- the Armadillo Classic on September 14th and 15th. And then we get into where we have a ton of stuff going on. Yeah, we got the Tisco Water Polo and the high school annual meetings um, on the 20th and 21st of September. You got the first ODP training camp in Austin on the 22nd. And then you even got a, uh, like the Masters men and Masters women playing down in Pearland on that same weekend. And then, of course, you know, you get into, um, the, like, the Bipropigeon Octopolo Fest in early October. You got, the like, the Cypher Shark Tournament um, in um, in the middle of October. And then you got the Dallas Fall Invite in early, uh, in early November. Then you got the Dallas Fall Masters Invite the weekend after that, which also is going to be the same weekend as the USA Water Polo Champions Cup, which... Is going to be for eighth grade and it's a national championship for eighth grade and 14 and under at the University of Houston. Right. So everybody's descending on Houston from all over the country. Yes. And the, and the Southwest Zone will have two teams per gender. And there's going to be a qualification at the Viper Pigeon Octo Polo Fest in early October. And uh, I'm excited for that. I mean, it's going to be great. I mean, it, that tournament, as I think you talked about it like earlier in the podcast, I think it was kind of hosted for a couple of years up in North Texas. Not that long ago, but this is going to be the this is going to be the Houston opportunity to get a host. It's at it's at U of H where we um, kind of hosted the the U.S. men's team in Montenegro for a series of games and practices prior to the 2016 Olympics. Yep. Um. So it's a wonderful facility. It's a 70 meter indoor pool, just yeah, just right next to this huge gym and weight room and rock wall. It's right there on, on the campus of the University of Houston. It's going to be a great event for everybody. Yeah, they're stepping up. I mean, they and SMU have started to really play a role in in hosting water polo in the state of Texas. They should be uh, commended for that. So, well, um, I mean, it, I, mean 
I don't know about SMU. It's it's Pegasus is starting to host some stuff at SMU. Right. I just mean that the actual facility itself is, is well. They're now being they used. are opening their doors and be yeah. willing to, and that's in, and that's great. But you know, it it does cost money to yes, use these facilities. So, yeah. um, you know, it's and it's not cheap. So no, it's not. Um, and yeah. um, I'm looking forward. I mean, a lot of these, a lot of clubs now around the state. They have good parent groups. They have good infrastructure in place that, you know, they have the processes in order to to host the tournament and make it a windfall kind of kind of for their club. So then that and then they could take that and it goes to the athletes to help, you know, travel or scholarship athletes, et cetera. So. Right, right, right. All right. Well, that's uh, we'll actually probably put a link up to all the tournament information that's coming up this fall. It's a pack schedule like we talked about. But uh, a couple other things before we wrap this up. So the men qualified for the Olympics. That's the USA men's senior team. They uh, they destroyed Canada in their final game at Pan Am's um, a couple of days ago. Um, yeah, we're after after having beaten them by two earlier in the same tournament. So um, clearly something clicked with them. Um and but it does bring to mind we're a year away from Tokyo. Is there what are your thoughts about that team heading off uh, to the Olympics? Because I have some thoughts too. I think it's a young team. I think Dayon's a great coach. Um, um, I'm excited about it. I think everybody's still getting used to the whole 11 man roster. Yeah. And you have two goalies, or do you just have a field player that's a backup goalie just in case? Right. You know. So um, I think. Only good things are are are, are going to be happening. I just I know that they were trying to peak on August 10th, and they peaked on on August 10th. They qualified. It would have been an interesting next six months if they didn't qualify. <laughs> yes, it would have. Um, but now that they qualified, they can start talking about kind of getting together a schedule and uh, and doing the proper uh, kind of prep uh, before the Olympic Games next year. Right. And don't forget about the women. Well, I, that's definitely something I wanted to cover, but I think this men's team is really fascinating because it is so young, and it's not even entirely clear what the roster is going to look like a year from now. There are some some guys who haven't been uh, playing recently, and you know, so there's there's room for other players maybe to slide into that uh, roster, and obviously it's going to be smaller than it was uh, for World Championships, so. I'm I'm utterly fascinated. I think that they uh, they showed a lot of guts to win that last game. They showed a lot of guts winning their last game at World Championships against Montenegro after you could sort of call that a subpar performance. They were not expecting to place ninth, I don't think. Um, so I, I'm I'm really looking forward to watching this team. Um, and Dayan is a very confident guy, so he's going to try to uh, pitch it as though he's going to you know get these guys to really compete hard in Tokyo. Well, I mean, I think that's, I mean, yes, they were, they were training all summer to peak on August 10th, Yeah. but this is also part of the process of a young team kind of building. And um, I don't know if the ninth place is really uh, a, a negative finish, but it is a result that led to an op like to getting better and the opportunity to play well at the Pan Am games to where they got to qualify. And now they're going to, now they're going to take a small little break here and it's going to be permanent training and for the, for, for the next year. And the women are doing the same thing. Um, I mean, the women had already qualified. Yeah. The talking about the women is so boring because they're so good. They're the best team well, in the world. But I've I said think, it before. I mean, we talked about a, th about the men thrashing Canada. The women <laughs> beat them 23 to four. Yeah. And Canada in used the to be a pretty competitive women's team. Yeah. No, they and, just shredded yeah. them. Yeah, I mean, and um, 
the women, the and just to let you know, the Canada women also at the Pan Am Games qualified for the Olympic Games. Right. The U.S. had already qualified. Yep. So the, they're going to be one of the top teams in the world as well. And they beat them 20 Three to four. So. Right. Yeah. This um, is. I've said it before. I'll say it again. Like uh, we've talked about the, the tournament in 2016 that I did color commentary for. They're they are f- so phenomenal to watch. And uh, as you and I have discussed, the um, women's uh, World Cup team soccer did uh, obviously gained a lot of attention and rightly so this summer. But I would put the women's uh, water polo team up there as. And again, not just the best women's team in the world or the best water polo team in the world, but really one of the best teams in the entire world. They're that good. They're, it's going to be fun and uh, at the 2020 Olympics in Tokyo. So. Yeah, yep. And look at that pipeline, too. Oh my gosh. All right. You're good. Yeah, let's wrap this up. Uh, first of all, a little shout out to my old friend Jeremy Mouse. He's uh, used to write with me for Total Water Polo. He DM'd with some kind words about the show. Uh, and he should know something about it because he's been part of a Mountain West football podcast for a bunch of years. So you can catch him on that podcast via the Mountain West Wire, uh, MWW, MWWire.com. So go check him out. He's been doing that for quite some time and used to write about water polo. Also, if you like what you hear here, give us a good rating on whichever platform you use to listen to us. And do yourself a favor. Listen to some of the other water polo podcasts like Off the Deck, Nearside Low, uh, and the Cross Pass podcast, which I'll bet is going to start ramping up here again once the NCAA season starts. You can find all of them on the TXWaterPolo.com homepage. Look on the right side. Um, and finally, we want to hear from you, just like we heard from Jeremy. Find us at pod at TXWaterPolo.com. On Twitter, we're at TXWaterPolo, Facebook, TXWaterPolo, Instagram, TX underscore WaterPolo, and on the web at TXWaterPolo.com. We're done, Joe. All right. Take care, James. You I'll too. Talk to you next week. Thank you for listening and telling a friend about the TX Water Polo Pod. Until next week, so long from Austin.